Hey peeps, it's me, Christine, and I want to share with you a game-changing product that has improved my sleep and daily health. So let's dive in. You all know through my journey, I have struggled with sleep, being afraid of it, not getting quality sleep, and not being able to regulate my temperature throughout the night. I definitely learned the hard way, but sleep matters big time. It's when your muscles repair, your brain detoxes, and your body can work on cellular renewal. We just can't afford to miss out on an adequate amount of high-quality sleep, which is kind of hard when you have a rare disease. There's not much that I control in this real life, but one of the easiest and most effective ways to get better sleep every single night is through temperature regulation. Studies actually prove cooler temperatures lead to a deeper, more restful sleep, and that insomniacs actually lack this natural drop in core body temperature, which is what keeps them up at night. Personally, I run hot. This means that even if my room is super cold, I wake up in a pool of sweat, uncomfortable, changing my clothes several times throughout the night. It's frustrating for obvious reasons, and this is why I was so relieved to discover this transformative products from Chili. The Cube from Chili Sleep is a system that fits right over the top of your mattress and uses water to control the temperature of your bed, which helps lower your internal temperature and triggers deeper, relaxing sleep. Since water has 30 times more thermal conductivity than air, these systems are a lot more effective than just cranking up the AC. I mean, I keep my house at 65, so it has to be true. Ever since I started using the Cube system, I've noticed I fall asleep a lot faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling fully rested. (laughs) Now, my wife is not a polar bear like me and likes to sleep a little bit warmer, so I love that we can each have our own temperatures on either side of the bed. Chili products can range between 55 and 115 degrees. Right now, Chili is offering my audience a really great deal. When you go to chilisleep.com backslash findyourrare20, you get 20% off the Cube All Sleep Systems with Find Your Rare 20. Sleep is something we could all use more of, and we can all take small steps towards getting better sleep to improve our life in big ways. I hope you'll check out the Chili Sleep System and see why I love their product so much. Hey peeps, it's Christine and I'm back again for another episode of Because We Are Strong. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Lindsay, who is a wife, mom, business owner, and a retired athlete who has been recently diagnosed with, well, the trifecta, right? POTS, MCAS, uh, hypermobile Ehlers, Daniels, and Mals. I can't wait to dive into this episode, so let's get started. This is the Because We're Strong podcast, where we sit down every week to get your stories and insight on how to navigate this rare life. You can expect everything real and raw in the hopes that your story, along with ours, helps another person who is dealing with a similar rare struggle. So grab your favorite drink, a comfy blanket, and buckle in, because rare disease isn't for the faint of heart. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Lindsay, can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you ended up on this this rare journey? Well... (laughs) It really all started with a car accident. Um, oh, as I learned everything, it kind of makes a lot of my life journey come full circle. Really, what was a car accident? Um, I was in a really bad car accident on June 23rd, 
within just a couple of days of the accident, I was having a really hard time being upright. I'm sorry, what year? June 23rd of? This year. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. We're just coming up on six months. Wow, okay. Yeah. And within just a couple of days of the accident, um, I was having a really hard time being upright at all. And I've had concussions in the past. I'm a martial artist. And I've had some concussions in the past. This one was different. I couldn't be upright. I was really dizzy. I was falling over. I was near passing out. And I was having these strange, what I thought were panic attacks um, that didn't really make Mm -hmm. sense. So I didn't really have any negative thoughts and wasn't anxious about anything. But I would have these episodes where my heart would be racing and I would have all of this tingling in extremities. I'd be very nauseous. I actually thought I was having panic attacks, but didn't really understand why. So after several weeks and talking to my therapist about it that I was already previously established with, um, I went into a doctor at Brain Health Restoration and was like, hey, I'm having these crazy panic attacks following my concussion, along with other uh, having my post-concussion syndrome, which is what I thought all of my other symptoms were, and was like, figure it out and fix it. (laughs) And (laughs) He ran an EEG and did some things, and he said, you know, some of these things actually look really good, so talk to me a little bit more about these panic attacks. I want to know how they're happening and when, so give me some examples. And so I said, okay, I'm like laying down watching a movie with my husband, and I get up to cook, and boom, panic attack. We're driving in the car. I get out of the car and stand up to walk inside. Boom, panic attack. And um, he said, I don't think you're having panic attacks. I think you have a condition called POTS, and I had never heard of it before. Shout out to this doctor. Oh, my God. That is not a normal response. It's not. Actually, my specialist was like, you are the complete opposite of every story we hear. And so I hope that can give people hope that there are good doctors out there. Yeah. Because it really was the opposite. I actually didn't know about POTS. I didn't know about autonomia. I never really heard of them. So all very foreign to me as it was kind of unraveling. So Lindsay, what, I know you got into a car accident, but what was your life like prior to June 23rd? Yeah. So prior to the accident, I was a professional athlete. I owned my own Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Um, I was holding the rank of a brown belt and competing at the highest levels. I since then got my black belt. Um, and I was an ultra runner. So I was exercising, like training as far as like strength and conditioning, CrossFit, Jiu-Jitsu, running. I mean, most of my day, every day. So I was highly, highly active when it happened. Um, I ate really healthy. I was very fit. Um, you know, I was really in the best shape of my life and felt amazing day in and day out to be honest. Wow. So can you, let's fast forward now to, to where we are now. Um, what, if, what's that, what's that like? I mean, I know for me in 2016, I was running marathons when I got sick. So, you know, my, I, I know that feeling of kind of being, you know, on top, on top of it, on top of the world, let's say, um, what was that like for you? It's been frustrating. It's been very challenging. Because there's a lot of times I sit back and like, this really my life right now, mm-hmm. you know, where I have zero exercise tolerance. Um, I need mobility aids. You know, I, 
I have to sit a lot because my cranial blood flow decrease when I'm standing is still so severe. Um, and so, you know, it's like having to use a shower chair, having to use a rollator, having to use a wheelchair. I'm going to be in settings where there's going to be required a lot of standing and just sitting to like brushing my teeth or, or cooking if I have the energy to even do that. There are days that I'm bedridden or I struggle to go to work at a desk job. And so, um, it's a huge change and no time to really, you know, it's in the moment everything. and there wasn't a big adjustment period. So I think I'm still trying in the acceptance phase where I don't think I've got where I'm at. And it's still very much a process. It is a process. And, you know, I'm five years in and I still feel like I'm accepting things, you know, like, when I'm having a good day and then all of a sudden everything changes, you know, and the pots flares up and then this flares up. So, I mean, gosh, I give you so, what has made you kind of like want to get out here and advocate so early in your journey, if you will, like that's rare in itself. Yeah. I think the big thing for me is getting diagnosed with a multitude of things that I've never even heard of. Um, that were so debilitating and changed my life so much. And not only that, it's that these things that are like so debilitating, yet we look so healthy. Mm-hmm. Or believe like that people just need to eat better, exercise more, um, things like that. And I think I know that that really, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because it does, but these things, spite of that, like I did all of the and I already do all of those things. Like, oh, you can't be that fatigued or whatever. It's like, no, I, I was a go getter, you know? And so I think it's really so real and how debilitating they are, regardless of what we look like on the outside, you know, it's naked. A hundred percent. And, and it really does change your life. And it's, it's extremely challenging and so I think the more we can get word out there about the different um, illnesses, um, you know, it's like family members, friends to get them that better understanding and also for people to know that they're not alone and to not like feel guilty or put a part of themselves because we don't have as much control over these things as people would like to believe we do. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. One more time for the people in the back on that one. Um, <laughs> um, Linz, would you mind to kind of telling our listeners a little bit about some of the other diagnoses that you were given and like how you got those? Yeah. So I was continuing to not get better and I knew I needed more care. Um, so I've actually had a lot of good luck with doctors. So I will say that I have been blessed in that realm to where even when I've had doctors that weren't knowledgeable on what I was going through, they were willing to help and get me to where I needed to be to get help. Um, And so I did end up traveling across the country. So I live in Nevada and I got in with an autonomic specialist in Virginia. So I traveled to the East Coast. And spent two weeks there where I went under full autonomic testing. And from there, we were able to see everything that was and wasn't happening appropriately in my body as far as the autonomic system goes. And not only that, they did a whole bunch of lab work looking for any underlying causes, 
you know, all the autoimmune, everything. Um, and from there, that's where I got diagnosed with um, the hypermobile, hypermobile LRC um, and the POTS, which POTS was extremely severe, they said. And a lot of other things going on as far as like my vagus nerve and severe sympathetic failure in small fiber neuropathy. Um, oh my gosh, I have, I have that. Oh, sorry, everyone who I just heard me squeal, but uh, you were actually one of the first people I have heard say that. <laughs> sorry, I just, um, no one should get so excited about such a painful disease. Like, uh, it's not even a disease. That's the worst part. It's not even a disease. It's a symptom right. of the disease that is just, anyway. I, yeah. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had that and then the gastroparesis. Um, so essentially, a lot of what was happening in my body is how they did the tilt table test. They do it with the ultrasound, the Doppler. And so it would appear that most of my passing out is happening from the lack of cranial blood flow. So my cranial blood flow is dropping negative 49%. Uh, the blood pulling in my extremities is really, really bad. Um, so my blood vessels are not constricting. My blood pressure is is staying pretty stable throughout the testing. And, um, so it's not doing anything to help that blood get back up. The heart's... Um, they believe the small fiber neuropathy is due to the, to the blood pulling, um, the severity of that. How many times did they test you for diabetes, though? I got, I've been tested so many times for diabetes. They're like, you shouldn't have this. You shouldn't have this. I'm like... But I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, they only did the basic lab work once um, as far as looking for into that. But he, he agreed that small fiber neuropathy is likely issue to the blood pulling in my extremities. Um, so that's kind of where they believe that stemmed from. And so they put me on the right of homeopathic, you know, raise the head of the bed, increase the salt, um, some different supplements like licorice root, and then, you know, different prescriptions to kind of keep the heart rate, raise the blood pressure, constrict the blood vessels, and help my body hold the blood volume. Because while I was doing all the salt, electrolytes, and fluids, my body's not keeping them. My kidneys aren't processing it properly. So they put me on meds for that. And then after a month, I had to go back. And kind of reevaluate things, which I did to get a small improvement in my vitals, but my symptoms were still really bad. Um, and in fact, some of my stomach pain and stuff were still getting worse. So that's when he ran the labs and found out that I had um, mast cell. And so he said, we got to get the mast cell under control to get the pots under control. The mast cell, the blood vessels isn't allowing the other things to work. So... Um, we started in the direction with attacking the mast cell issues once we got all those labs back and confirmed positive. Um, but the stomach is so debilitating um, that we it just didn't quite make sense. Even though all of these other things can cause stomach issues, mine just seemed different to him, he said, and even with the gastroparesis. So he had me lay down and show him in my abdomen was, and he listened. kind of heard a switch down. So... He had me go over for ultrasound, and in the ultrasound, he did show a celiac artery compression, and I lost the blood flow. 
there. And so he said, and you'll need a CPA to confirm. So straight to the hospital, the CPA, it confirmed malls. Um, and so what is malls? So malls is the median accrued ligament syndrome. And that is where that ligament that is coming off of the diaphragm is compressing your celiac artery. And the celiac artery comes off your aorta. And it is what is responsible for um, blood flow to all of your upper abdomen or your stomach, kidneys, your pancreas, all of that. So it's responsible for that. And that ligament is compressing the artery. And so it's a very rare condition um, and it does require surgery. So surgery is the only treatment. It's an open abdomen surgery. Um, So I will go to a surgeon in Connecticut. I guess he's one of the best at the surgery because there's just not a lot of surgeons that are skilled in doing it because it is rare. So I'll go there. Um, It's open abdomen. So they cut you from sternum to navel and they remove that compression. Your diaphragm needs raised. They raise the diaphragm to prevent it from happening again in the future. And then they deal with that celiac plexus nerve bundle, which can cause this issues as well. So some of the other issues that I'm dealing with could also be apart from that. So some of the dizziness and other dysautonomia symptoms can be happening as a result of that celiac plexus nerve bundle being um, damaged through the compression. Whoa, that is a lot of diagnoses to get for someone who was healthy until June 23, 2021. Yeah. How has um, like your family and your support system been? Um, it's a change for everyone. It is. Um, so the biggest change is probably with my husband. Too, you know, like it's hard for him to see in me. He sees it day in and day out. So when I'm at my worst, you know, he's the one that sees all of that. And then my mom too. So my mom's been going with me for all of the traveling back and forth and um, so I don't have to do that travel alone because it's not really easy for my husband to get that kind of time off of work. But my core support system has been nothing short of amazing. So like my parents and my husband and my kids. And then my therapist have been like my rock. <laughs> um, and what, where has uh, this journey led you so far? You know, I know you've had to give up a lot and you're, you're still in the beginning, but um, where is it? Where, where have you gone so far? Well, pretty interesting. It put me on a different career path. Um, so, I had been working with an organization called Step 2. I'd been doing some motivational speaking with a couple of the ladies groups there, um, really because of my jiu-jitsu. And that's kind of what led me to them. And when I had one of my meetings with them, one of the gals was talking to me about a position that was going to be opening up with them. And I... I had had to cancel all of my day classes at this point in time that I was running at my academy and all of the private lessons. So I was no longer able to give private lessons to people. And if I ran a day class, I would be too sick to go back and run a night class. So then I was having to cancel my busier classes because I coached a day class. And so I had actually had to cancel all those. 
And my days were kind of cleared out because it was just too physically demanding. What I do for a living was too physically demanding for what I was dealing with. And I told her, you know what, like this could work for me. And um, so I took that position and I love it. I really, really love it. I get to work with women. It's a substance abuse program for women and what their focus is on reunification with their children. So we're a long-term rehab program. So residential is like three to four months. And then we have um, an on-campus kind of independent living. That's like their second step, which is takes about a year to go through that lighthouse program. And so I get to, I get to work there, you know, four days a week and it's a desk job. So I get to sit and I get to help women in the community and I love it. So it's kind of like, you know, I had to give up something and lost some things, but I gained some things also. And they're really, really understanding about my condition. And they're really understanding when it comes to needing to take time off of work or travel for medical appointments. Or if I just walk in, I mean, there's days where I've walked in and they're like, yeah, you're not the right color. Just go home, you know, like focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm really, really blessed that. I got to kind of start a new career path, something that I love and with people that are just amazing and compassionate and understanding. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Um, and you know, the, uh, the social worker, clinical therapist in me, of course, is geeking out, um, and, and loving, uh, loving, you know, that transformation, um, cause you really, in my opinion, can't see the world um, from this lens, unfortunately, until you're in this club that you don't really necessarily want to be in. Um, so, you know, Lindsay, I always say, if I could go back and tell myself something, what would I tell myself? And so I think it's going to be, I'd love to know your thoughts because it's such a smaller time period, but I still would love to know, you know, what would you tell Lindsay of May 2021? Oh, gosh. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know because there's a part of me that, like, wishes I could sh- could have shoved a few more things in before yeah. my retirement. And um, there's a part of me that wishes I could have just slowed down and and gone into this a little bit smoother. You know, it's like, I don't think there's a better way for it. I think it's hard both ways when you get sick really suddenly or when you get sick and it's like this gradual, right? Yeah. And so which way is better. And so it's kind of like, there's a part of me that wishes that I got to have a slower transition and maybe even one where I more got to have it be my choice. Cause I just feel like everything changed in a moment and I had no say so. And so, um, you know, there's a few things I wanted to do that I, I wished I could have done and maybe someday I still will, you know, I haven't lost hope yet. And I did still accomplish some incredible things post-accident. Like there was events that I was registered for that I refused to let go of. Like I was registered to compete at the Pan Americans and I was like, I don't care if I pass out on the mat. (laughs) I'm. A true athlete. 
And I did. And I went and I had the support of my team and my therapist and my family. My husband went with me. I went and I won gold, you know, and my legs collapsed like, (laughs) but I did it. And, um, that was probably the most memorable tournament I'll ever do, you know? And like, even I had a 24 hour race that I had signed up for and we still went to do it and we planned the best we could. And I only made it 14 hours, but I ran 54 miles. I was sick. Hell yeah. Well, not the sick for nine days after, but. You know, I paid the price, but I knew I would also. You know, I knew what I was walking into and I chose to do it because I wanted to still accomplish these things. And, And so I'm proud of myself in that aspect. It's just unfortunately as mine has gone on, I've just progressively gotten worse. And I think that's how it is with a lot of people. It's like we kind of get worse before we get before we get better. Um, but I believe I have the right doctors in and the answers and the right treatments to hopefully get some sort of normalcy back moving forward, even though my life will probably never be what it was before. Um, I would like to believe that I can still enjoy some of the things that I was passionate about and I'm grateful for, um, new passions that I have. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Um, like I said, I, I'm in awe that you can, I, I'm, I don't even think I have a concise version of my story yet. So I think that, you know, the true heart of an athlete, uh, kind of really, really shows, um, you know, through you, even, even though the, I guess, type of athlete, you know, changes because I think rare disease actually is an athletic sport. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sport. It's a job. I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's everything. (laughs) Um, no, but thank you for taking time out of your day to be here. Um, it is so important that we continue to stand together and raise awareness. I agree. I agree. Thank you for having me. And as always, thank you to our listeners who tune in every week as we continue to bridge a gap between rare disease and the rest of the world. Until next time, live large and stay rare. Catch us next week for another episode. To continue the conversation about rare disease and all the unknowns that comes with it, join our Facebook group. Want even more rare? Become a VRP member on Patreon and learn more about our stories or how to share yours by visiting bwspod.com.